This morning I want to do something a little uh, different for the sermon time than a sort of traditional sermon and rather uh, address three different, but I believe ultimately related topics. This has been a very challenging week for women who have experienced sexual assault or harassment. I say this not at all as a comment about the Supreme Court nominee, but rather about how the testimony, coverage, and comments by politicians about the alleged assault have been triggering for many women who have experienced assault, who are survivors, who feel they are being uh, judged for not telling their story at a time that was uh, expedient for politicians. So it's been a challenging time for many women. And uh, I think these issues are more widespread than many of us know or acknowledge. So first I just wanna say that if this is something you or someone you are close to is struggling with or hurting over, our clergy team is here for you and this community is here for you and uh, reach out to us, to me, to Ginger, or other of our clergy, and we're happy to meet with you and, and pray with you. Also a reminder that every Sunday uh, during Eucharist, we offer healing prayers over in the chapel and commend that to you. Ultimately, this issue is about male behavior, so I want to encourage all of us to talk with our children and grandchildren about their own behavior and what is acceptable and honorable, and also to encourage them to uh, intervene when needed to prevent assaults, which may be the best way to prevent assaults. And I also want to encourage all of us who are men to engage in dialogue and conversation about um, a culture of masculinity that honors uh, women as fully created in the image of God as we are. In Connect, if you look at the back where there are the prayers for the church and the world, there is a, a prayer that I would like us to share together. It begins with, with humility of heart. Let us take just a moment in silence to uh, remember and hold before God all those victims, all those survivors, all those who are afraid. Together let us pray. With humility of heart, we pray to God, whose love and faithfulness endures forever. We pray for people who have survived sexual assault, that the Lord of all tenderness and compassion will give them healing and peace. We pray that we become more and more a community that actively protects the most vulnerable people of society, particularly our children. We pray that the spirit of wisdom enlightens us to put an end to acts of violence and abuse. 
making us a community of safety and healing. Amen. Turning to the gospel and the scripture passages for this morning, the gospel passage we heard this morning comes immediately after the gospel passage that was assigned for last Sunday. Last Sunday, we had a wonderful celebration of our uh, youth group pilgrims, and they preached and used a different gospel passage for that sermon. So, you didn't hear the assigned gospel for last Sunday. But it's that wonderful scene where Jesus takes a child in his arms and says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. And then today's gospel begins with John's statement about seeing someone casting out demons. So when we hear this passage, we need to visualize and understand that Jesus is still holding that child. Jesus is holding the child and has said this about whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then John does what uh, many of us do. I know I'm guilty of this, where you're, you know, you're thinking about what you want to say. So you're not actually listening to what anyone else is saying. You're just kind of waiting for your chance to jump in. Now, am I the only person that does this? So Jesus says something and then John jumps in with his statement. We saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he wasn't with us. He wasn't one of us. So it's important to hear Jesus' response to John and to the disciples in terms of Jesus still holding that child. And his answer is really still about his point with that child. And Jesus is saying that children give us access to God because they display the fundamental characteristic of discipleship, trust and belief. Jesus is holding up the child as someone who trusts and believes Jesus. And doing so to counteract the jealousy and the competition that is being seen among the disciples, right? We tried to stop him. We're with you. He wasn't with you. So we tried to stop him. It's like, you know, when the disciple earlier in the cycle of readings, the disciples were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. So Jesus is using the child to say something to them about competition and jealousy. And we see this in the reading from Numbers as well where two people who weren't among the selected prophesy as well. And when someone complains, Moses says, are you jealous because of me? These passages, and Jesus is trying to make a comment about the notion that our status is based on what we achieve, entirely on our work, on who, with whom we are connected. What's our network? Who are we connected to? 
The person casting out demons in Jesus' name wasn't connected to the disciples. So wait a minute, what's this, you know, he's not one of us. He can't get credit for that, only we get credit for this. And in this passage, Jesus is refuting that notion that our status is derived from our work only. We still, throughout our country, have this kind of twisted version of the Protestant work ethic. And that whatever we have, we have earned through our hard work. And that is the reward for our hard work. Now, I've been a couple times to visit our sister parish in Malawi, Africa. And I can tell you, at least from my experience of the world, there is no one on this planet that works harder than an older woman in a rural village in Malawi, Africa. All day long. Women my mother's age carrying 100-pound bundles of wood on their head walking for kilometers. I actually tried to pick up one of these bundles. Like, I couldn't even pick it up. And they're walking around with it on their head. As someone said, if prosperity is the natural result of hard work, then every woman in Africa should be a multimillionaire. So Jesus is challenging our notion that prosperity or achievement or status is based solely on who we're connected to what work we do, who, you know, uh, what we achieve in connection to Jesus or God or whatever status we're chasing after. So Jesus uses that child, right, when he says, that's why he says, you know, if you put a stumbling block in front of the, one of the least of these, he's talking about the child he's holding. And what are the stumbling blocks? He's saying to the disciples that you're chasing after power. Your competition, your jealousy is a stumbling block to this child who is on one hand being held up as modeling the trust and faith that we should all have, but on the other hand is the most vulnerable and powerless person in that entire scene. In that whole gathering, that child has the least amount of power and authority, yet they are the one who exemplifies the trust and the faith for which we should all strive to achieve. There is a unified message in the readings, which is that God's spirit is to be shared by the many, not the few. Jesus commends whoever the person is that's casting out demons. Whoever isn't against us is for us. Moses is rejoicing that more than the 70 have received the Spirit and are prophesying. God's Spirit is to be shared and lifted up. And it is our job to empower that for that child to be one who receives God's spirit and lifts it up. 
So we're being invited to cut out what hinders the work of the Spirit in the community and to strive to lift up the ministry of all who trust in God, not lift up our own ministry. The way that we make that transition, the way we live into what Jesus is calling us to do, the way we are, in Jesus' word, salted with fire, is through having a rule of life that draws us into a Christ-centered life. In the Episcopal Church, we have a ministry called the Way of Love that our presiding bishop has been promoting throughout the church. And it's a rule of life focused around practices for a Jesus-centered life. And it's called the Way of Love. And the Way of Love is going to shape our life as a community between now and Easter. And the hope is that it will shape all of our lives as Christians. And from now through Easter, we will be engaging in this way of love. There are seven practices, kind of like seven days, and seven's a big biblical number, right? Seven practices in the way of love. To turn, to pause, listen, and choose to follow Jesus. To learn, to reflect on scripture each day, especially the life and teachings of Jesus. To pray, to dwell intentionally with God each day. To worship, as we do now, to gather in community weekly, to thank, praise, and dwell with God to bless, to share our faith and unselfishly give and serve, to go, to cross boundaries. So the, the language that the way of love uses is to go, for go is to cross boundaries. In the current context, I want to be clear that uh, the boundaries they're talking about are your comfort zone or your, your own uh, social or cultural network to cross those boundaries. It is not talking about crossing other people's boundaries. To cross boundaries, to listen deeply and live like Jesus. And of course, Sabbath, to rest, to receive the gift of God's grace, peace, and restoration. Today, as we launch this way of love, after the creed, there'll be an opportunity to participate in a service of commitment to walking this way of love and these spiritual practices for a Jesus-centered life. May God bless us in this journey.